0: go with me please to first uh, Peter the first chapter first Peter chapter 1 we began a series some weeks ago entitled precious in his sight and uh, our, our main text here in first Peter 1 18. Says, for as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things. I want you to know what you're not redeemed with? Like silver and gold. Silver and gold is corruptible. It's not permanent. mrs. says, well, diamonds are forever. <laughs> Actually, they're not. <laughs> Diamonds can be evaporated. And gold and silver and all the minerals on the planet. One of these days, uh, the elements of the very earth are going to melt with heat. So must talk about conjecture about what's going to happen in the end. It's in the back of the book. It's there. And so nothing down here is going to survive. Nothing. God is going to create new heavens and a new earth wherein is no curse. Now we've never been in a place like that. What does it mean, no curse? No curse means no bad weather, never too hot, never too cold, no tornadoes, no hurricanes, no tsunamis, no earthquakes, no aging. The flowers don't die. Trees don't die. Nothing dies. No pain. No sorrow. No crying. No dying. We've never been in a place like that. (laughs) We were born into this place. And even in its fallen condition, there's so much beauty still here. It's difficult to imagine what it was like when Adam and Eve first saw it. But we're going to find out because God... Is going to recreate a new heaven and a new earth. But elements down here that money's based on were not valuable enough to buy us, to redeem us. There was only one thing in all the universe that was precious enough, valuable enough to redeem us, to buy us. How many know you've been bought with a price? You and I've been bought and paid for. Come on, somebody say I've been bought and paid for. Well, what are you worth? What was paid to get you? There wasn't enough gold and silver that could equal your value according to God. Now there's people on some streets will kill you for twenty dollars. But that's because they have no idea of what's valuable. But God knows what's valuable. I said he knows what's valuable. And throughout all the universe, he chose to pay for you and me the biggest price that's ever been paid for anything. Not billions, not trillions, far beyond it. The Bible said in the Psalms, the value of a soul ceases forever. Nobody can pay that price. None of us. But we were redeemed. Back up to the other 18. We were redeemed, not by silver and gold, from the vain conversation received by tradition from our fathers. But what? But we were redeemed. We have been bought with the precious. Now, precious that word doesn't really mean to us, I think, what it should in our modern vernacular. The word is translated very costly. So it's, uh, it means extremely expensive and very valuable. The extremely expensive, very valuable blood of Christ. Why was it so expensive? Why so valuable? Because the life is in the blood. Whose life is in his blood? He didn't have an earthly father. Are y'all with me, friends? The very life of God is in his blood. And he shed it and gave it. In fact, the Bible said that's what's on the mercy seat right now is his blood or his life, and that that blood speaks. <laughs> What's it saying? It said it speaks better things than Abel's blood spoke when Cain killed him. Abel's God says, I hear Abel's blood crying out to me from the ground. It's calling for vengeance. It's calling for justice. But thank God the blood of Christ is not calling for justice. It's calling better things. It's saying innocent. Clean. Righteous. They're mine. I bought them. I washed them. I cleansed them. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, the blood is on the mercy seat. And it's speaking right now. We've been redeemed with the extremely expensive, very valuable blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. Listen to the New Century Version, how it says this in verse 18. You know that in the past, you were living in a worthless way. So this whole passage is talking about value and worth. A way passed down from the people who lived before you, you were saved from that useless life. Useless, no value, no worth, worthless, no worth. But you were bought not with something that ruins like gold and silver. You were bought, verse 19, with the precious blood of Christ. The extremely expensive, very valuable blood. Anybody thankful for that? Skip over. Uh, Let's see, where were you there? 1 Peter 1. Just go to the second chapter. Second chapter and the ninth verse. Again, this is just a few verses from where we were just reading. This all flows together. He's on the same subject. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, <laughs> that's King James. And that word doesn't really communicate. I've heard folk quote that as a justification for being weird. <laughs> Well, the Bible said God made me peculiar. No, God didn't make you weird. No, honey, no. <laughs> that word doesn't mean strange or weird. Can't, all you got to do is keep it in context of what He's talking about. What was He talking? You know, so many doctrines would have been wrong. Doctrines would have been avoided if folks would have read the verse that came before it and the verse that came after it. Let's don't judge them. Let's just read the verse ourselves, before and after. In the um, Amplified, let me read it like this. Amplified verse 9. You're a chosen race. Somebody say, God chose me. Did he? He picked you out. He knew you before you were born. And he picked you. Man, that, that'll help you out right there. Somebody say, he picked me. He picked me. He picked me. Who picked you? The creator of the universe. Chose you. uh, Years ago. I don't have to share this with you. But I will. Years ago. I forget what it was coming up. But I said to the Lord. Well Lord I followed you. I did follow you. He said. Uh, And and I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, like he'll speak to anybody if you'll listen. It comes up from your spirit, enlightens your mind. He said, uh, after I chose you (laughs) and dealt with you how many times (laughs) and got you, uh, come on, are you listening? Then you chose me. (laughs) You know what the scripture says? He chose us before we chose him. And he loved us before we loved him. Is that right? And it was only because he chose us and loved us and had mercy on us. I mean, most people in here did not respond and accept him the first time around. A lot of folks, not the 10th time. So yeah, you finally got around to choosing him, but it was after, right? You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation. God's own purchased special people. Now that's a vast difference from what we think when we hear peculiar. God's own purchased special people. That you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. One of our main reasons for existence is to give him pleasure and give him glory. Is that right? Everybody that sees us should think God is real and God is good. Look at them. Look what he has done for them. To show forth the wonderful deeds of God and display his virtues and perfections, his grace and his mercy of calling us out. Say it out loud. Lord, let everybody see. When they look at me, let them see you. Let them see what you've done. Who you are. How good you are. How great you are. When they see me, let them see you. In Jesus' name. Is that your desire? That'll be the happiest life for us too. He went on to say in verse 10... Once you were not a people at all, (laughs) but now you are God's people. Once you were unpitied, but now you are pitied and have mercy. Uh, The CEV says, once you were nobody, now you're God's people. The message Bible says, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. I used to be nothing. Now I'm something. Not because of what I've done. Because of what he's done. The New Living says, once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. And we, if you haven't been with us, go back and get the previous messages. They'll help you out. Won't cost you anything. Go online, download them. Go back in the word Supply. Get a hard copy. we went into some detail about who am I and what am I? what gives me any sense of significance or my identity and I, I went over with you as a as a boy and as a teenager and as a young man what i I saw how I had found some identity i I was my parents' child and son I was uh, in our where we live, there were certain families that there were, you know, numbers of, and and I was part of the Moore clan. I'm a Moore boy, and that means things both good and bad, depending <laughs> on who you talk to. <laughs> and, and then later on, I got into sports, sport fighting, and that was part of my identity. And uh, I got, I. I I uh, worked extra jobs, and uh, I got me a hot rod, and, and I had a fast car and a cool car, and that was part of my identity, and then uh, had a pretty girl, still got the pretty girl, and that was, uh, that was part of my identity, and, and, uh, but uh, we, we went on to talk about if you can lose anything that is your identity, it's in the wrong thing. You're on shifting sand. Who are you if you don't have the car? Who are you if you can no longer do that physical activity? Who are you if the pretty girl leaves you? Come on, are you with me? Someone say, Well, I'm nothing. Well, that's because your identity was in something it shouldn't have been in to start with. We talked about your identity being in your looks, being in your possessions being in your accomplishments if you can lose it your identity should not be in it that's That's not where you should get your sense of importance or significance or worth or value from what makes me worth something the one who chose you and the one who paid for you the price he paid for you is what gives you value in the market, in buying things. What determines the value of something? What someone is willing to pay for it. I told you about that car that Phyllis and I saw a while back, this McLaren P1 somebody came, pulled up to the restaurant in. And I didn't know what it was, but somebody told me it's a $1.3 million car. And some folks came out, and one of the ladies asked me, and I said, well, they said it's a one-point. She said, what? You said, no way that car's worth that. And when she said that, the Spirit of God prompted me, she's wrong. It was worth it to the people that pulled up in it. Is that right? In fact, I found out it was a short list. Somebody was glad to part with that money to get that little car. You say, well, it ain't worth that. You're wrong. If it wasn't worth it to anybody, they couldn't sell it. They'd have to lower the price. It's worth it to them. And there might be people look at you. And go there's no way. You're worth the precious blood of the (laughs) Lamb. There's no way. You're worth more. Than all the gold and silver on the planet. There's no way. You're worth the highest price. Of anything that's ever been paid for. In all time and eternity. But they're wrong. Oh come on I said they're wrong. They're wrong. They're wrong. Because to the one that paid it. You are worth it. Oh, somebody say, I'm worth it. I'm I'm worth it to him. I'm worth it to him. That's what gives you your value. That's what gives you your worth, and that can never be taken away from you. No matter what you look like, what you got, what you don't have, what you can do, what you can't do, that remains. And when you get that sense of identity and value... It it makes you secure. It locks your soul from being kicked around and moved around. Hmm? And what I wanted to get to, we'll see today with our time, that frees you up to do things. Hmm. Go with me over to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. 1 Corinthians 12, people all over the planet are experiencing identity crisis. I mean all over the place. Even people that seem to be the perfect example of somebody that was very secure and had it all and had it all together. Well, if they lose something that they had their identity in, now they don't know who they are. They don't know what they are. Maybe they were the fastest sprinter in the country. Well, all you got to do is have the calendar click a few times and you're not going to be the fastest, (laughs) is that right, sprinter anymore. So who are you now? Who are you now? You're a has-been. You're a used-to-be. You're a nothing. And people get depressed and suicidal. Who are you? Why? Their identity was in the wrong thing to start with. If you can lose it, your identity shouldn't be in it. You're on shifting sand. But if you find out who you are and who are you, I'm who God says I am. He said, I'm the apple of his eye. He said, I am his heart and he was willing to pay anything to get me. And he has made me a king and a priest. And he's training me right now to rule and reign with him in his eternal kingdom forever. That's who I am. No matter what I look like, what I feel like, what the world thinks, that's who I am. That's what I am. If I believe that, it anchors my soul. And whether I have this or I don't have that, I'm still anchored. I'm secure in my identity in Christ. And when you get rid of the insecurities and the fears, you become a different person. You lose your neediness. This is life changing, brother. You lose your neediness. The reason why folks act the way they do is because they're insecure. Why would you get upset if I didn't notice you? (laughs) I had a fellow, when I taught at the Bible school at Brother Hagin's ministry, we had graduation at the end of the the time. And uh, I was up on the platform assisting. I would hand Brother Hagin the diplomas. (laughs) And he would hand them to them. Well, this guy came by and he, he took his diploma and looked over at me. And he said, I'll forgive you. I thought, okay, just keep
1: moving.
0: <laughs> we're on the platform, you know? And uh, anyway, later on I found out what the deal was. Two years ago, he had met me in the hall and said, hi, Brother Keith. And I didn't speak. I didn't say anything. I just kept walking. And it upset him. It offended him. I had no knowledge of it. I had no knowledge of it. I did not purposely ignore the man. I was going from one class to the other. Back in those days, there was sometimes I spoke 25 times a week. Well, when you get through with one thing, you got to change gears, get your mind on the other thing. And if you're going to do a good job ministering, you can't be thinking about a dozen things. And sometimes, you know, if you're going to grow up and become spiritual, you have to develop powers of concentration and focus that you're not distracted by every little thing. And I'm sure that's what I was doing. I, I wasn't half seeing uh, what I was passing by on the hall I got something on my mind okay I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to move to this it was no slight against him at all but why would he get offended and stay hurt for two years over what I'm not even aware of he doesn't know who he is I said he doesn't know who he is why he needs approval from outside He's always looking for approval. Why? To give him a sense of value and worth that he lacks. Don't you care about me? Y'all don't need me anymore. That's pitiful. That's a little baby. Spiritually, that doesn't know who they are. Or what they are. How many want to grow up? Do you want to grow up and grow out of these insecurities? And grow out. Well, maybe somebody did mistreat you at some time. Or maybe somebody treated you less because of this or that. And it bothered you. It bothered you, it hurt you because you didn't know who you were back then. But if you can know who you are now, you can get rid of all that. I said, You can get rid of all that? To the point that no matter what anybody says or doesn't say, you know who you are. And you know what you are. And you know your value and worth to him. If God thinks I'm wonderful, why would I fall off my chair? Because you don't agree. Who are you? What do you know? Right? Right. If God says I'm worth a lot, I'm worth something. Right? But it anchors your soul from being needy. Somebody said out loud Lord, help me. Find out who I am, what I am in your eyes, and get completely free from insecurities and neediness. And seeking others approval. I ask it in Jesus name. I I thank you for helping me. Working in me. In In Jesus' Jesus name. It will change you. You'll get a lot more friends. You know. Parents. And grandparents. Some of them stay upset. Half the time. At their kids and their grandkids. Why didn't y'all come see me? Y'all never come see me. (laughs) So they will come see you so you can talk to them about an hour about why they don't come see you. (laughs) It's not enticing. Doesn't sound like fun. Does it? Why? You're needy. That's insecure. You don't know who you are. Well, I want to see them. Well, that's not going to make them want to come see you. That's you being needy. Needy does not draw friends. (laughs) We're with some people just uh, yesterday, last day or so. Had fun with them. Enjoyed some things with them. Hadn't seen them in a long time. But we both remarked about it. How that we could not see each other for months. Not say a word to each other. And to see each other and just have a great time, yeah. and nobody even thinks right. about needing anything. We don't need anything from each other. Right. Amen. We only want to give something. Yeah. Low maintenance yeah. friend, like no maintenance friend. How many likes some more? No maintenance yeah. friends, no maintenance.
1: <laughs> <Yes>.
0: <laughs> the only way you can be that way. Is if you know who you are. That's right. And you know what you are. Right. <laughs> I'm looking around. I'm looking at you. Amen. Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to be free? Yes. Free yes. from insecurities? Yes. Free from neediness? Yes. Free from seeking people's approval? Yes. Something came up a while back. It blessed me. Something came up about being on an internationally known talk thing you know, to be interviewed. And I thought, first thing hit my mind is, I don't want to go. I don't care what they think. I don't need the exposure. Why would I need it? If the Lord told me to go, I want to do what he tells me to do. But I got no desire for a million people that don't believe in the Lord to see me while they try to trick me with a question. And then after I leave, chop up what I said and take little pieces and put it together and make me say something I didn't mean. Now if the Lord tells me to go, okay. But I don't feel the need. It's freedom. Come on, are y'all with me? It's freedom. It's liberty. I don't feel the need to get their approval. I have His approval. That's right. Because of what the Lord has done. I have His approval. Somebody say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Verse 14, 1 Corinthians 12:14. He said, The body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? What are we talking about here? If I can't be that, I'm not any of it. There's some folks that are no longer in the church. Because they wanted to be this. This. And if they couldn't be that, won't come anymore. That's being insecure. I can't be happy unless I got this position. I can't feel fulfilled. We shouldn't need another thing to be fulfilled. I am complete in him. Now, I can enjoy some things. I can get reward for some things. The main thing is to do something to bless somebody else and see good things happen in their life. But as far as me needing something to feel like I have a reason to exist or that I matter, that cannot be fixed by anything that anybody else would do for me. That's why you run into the situation, people trying to accommodate spouse, a child, a friend, and you you didn't call me, you didn't notice me, you didn't didn't spend any time with me, so they try to do more. It will never be enough. I'm going to go over here and say that. No matter what you do, it will never be enough. Why? Because they're trying to get something from you you can't give them. I've even seen people that just, you know, their relationship's just going down, down, down. And they saying, well, you don't love me. And they're saying, I do, I do. And you can tell they mean it. No, you're just saying that. They don't believe it. The Bible says you have to believe the love that he has for us. You can doubt the love he has for you. Just like you can doubt somebody else's love. But you come back to this. Even if they don't. What if they don't love you? Well, my life is over. (laughs) Do you want to be that unstable? Who wants to be needy? Who enjoys being insecure? Did they call? Do they know? Do they really like me? I don't know. I just don't know. And the moment you do that, the enemy will come and say, they don't. (laughs) and he will feed you stuff and you go, I think they don't. Well, where'd that thought come from? What if they don't? What if they don't? If I have his love, if I have his approval, if I'm precious in his eyes, does it really matter that much that you don't think so? (laughs) Say lie. Think about that. It's so liberating. It's not not a matter of arrogance. It's not a matter of not caring about people. It's about knowing who you are in him. Something else being bigger to you than all the stuff that can pull the rug out from under you. Makes you safe. Makes you secure. And that frees you up to be used of God like he always intended. If all you're doing is hurting and being offended and being mad and being hurt, you are not in any condition for God to use to help others. Your whole life is revolving around your hurt and your needs. You got to get secure and get free from being needy to get in a position where God can use you to help others. This, can you hear this? Well, if I'm not an eye, I'm nothing. I'm not even a part. If I'm not, I wanted to be the ear. That was always what I wanted. <laughs> and, if I, and if I can't be the ear, then just forget about it. <laughs> See, they were looking for the ear position to fulfill them if they could ever get up there on the side of the head where the ear was if they, and they and they get the ear robe and everything then life would be grand everybody would look and go look the ear
1: <laughs>
0: and if I can't be the ear then just I can't talk right now the truth is if they had been given the ear position they still would not have been okay they would not have, it might have they might have jumped up and down about it for a week or two but it would not have fixed because you can't fix internal things with external things you can't do it it doesn't work verse 18 but now Has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him? And if they're all one member, where's the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body? The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. He went on to say, verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, no division, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Go, You're there in chapter 12, go to 13. Chapter 13, verse 2. 13 2 he said though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love now what did I suggest to you for our study that you a word you use uh, for that for love value value and I don't I don't value God and people I what I'm nothing I Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not value towards God, valuing him, counting him precious, counting people precious, it profits me nothing. Now, how could that be? That you're giving all this stuff, you're you're feeding people, you're housing people, you you spend your last dime and it means nothing. Nothing. How could that be? Because you weren't doing it because you valued them. You were doing it for some other reason. What other reason? A hole you've got in you, I'm trying to pay back. Come on, are you listening? uh, You want people to see you and notice how wonderful you are. Something that you're trying to do to get some identity, to get some approval, to get some notice. If you're doing it for those reasons, it doesn't mean a thing. And it's not going to profit you anything. But if you're doing it, because if I give, like we mentioned earlier, if I give you something that's valuable to me because you're more valuable to me than that that's love i love you more far more than i do it well that's profitable that's valuable verse 5 goes on to say love seeks not her own or valuing esteeming seeks not her own. There's only one way you're not going to seek your own. Because you found it. You've got it. You can't be delivered. I don't care how much education somebody has, how much stuff they've got in the world. Uh, People try to put on a good front. But people without God are hopelessly insecure. And full of fears. They may hide them. Number one, they're afraid to die. And they're afraid, even if they've made it in some ways, they're afraid of losing it. And those fears dog their tracks. And ultimately, they know some of this they're going to lose. And in death, can't take it with you. So you can't get rid of the fear. Can't get rid of the insecurities. But when you've got yours, it frees you up to look about helping somebody else, helping take care of them. Listen to some other scriptures along this line. Said out loud, love, love. seeks not, Seek not. its own. On. 1 Corinthians 10, just listen to these. You don't have to turn there. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, this is in the NIV. He says, I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. 1 Corinthians, what is that, 33. He said, uh, so that they may be saved. And he went on to say, follow my example, 11, one, as I follow the example of Christ. Did Jesus come into the earth on a quest to find himself? To reach ultimate enlightenment. No. No. To seek the approval of the masses. And to convince them to love him. So he would quit feeling alone. One time it said they came to make him king. And he just left. Is that right? He just left cuz the Bible said he knew what was in man and he didn't need any of them to testify about it. Amen. That's freedom. Yeah. Oh, it's freedom not to need adulation of the masses. Don't need it. Why wouldn't you need it? Cuz you've already got eternal acceptance and value and worth in the one who made you and chose you and loves you and he's more real than anything else. And because of that, you don't have to spend the rest of your time trying to find out who you are or get somebody to love you so you can quit feeling worthless. You don't have to spend any more time doing that you can just spend time helping other people find their place. Oh, come on, can you see this? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. We got to die to who we were. I'm not a more boy. I'm God's boy. I'm not a white boy. You can laugh, it's okay. Everybody's so scared of racism, man. (laughs) Oh, he said, white boy. (laughs) I'm not white. I'm beige. (laughs) If you're dark skinned, you're not black. You're probably mocha. (laughs) You know, I endeavor to avoid saying black man, white man. Why? Why? If you're not going to say, look, there's a white man, then why do you say, there's a black man right.
1: that's
0: good. or a red man? It's a man. Let's get away from those descriptors. Yes. What do you think? Yes. It's just, it's not relevant. I don't need to be proud of being white. I don't need to be ashamed of being white. Because that's not my permanent color anyway. Yeah, Somebody right. said, <laughs> "What color do you think God is?" <laughs> your, your people say all kind of stuff. You know, I think God's black. I think God's a woman. You're all kind of stuff. You're all kind of stuff. <laughs> Somebody well, said, "Nobody knows." Read the Bible. Read the Bible. He's always referred to, He, in a masculine gender. And the Bible said he's fire. From his loins down, from his loins. What color is he? He's fire color. What color is fire? Well, it depends. Right? It can be white hot. It can be glowing orange. Right? He's not locked into one color. And since I'm a son of his, <laughs> later on past this life, I may show up one day and I'll be purple. And you go, whoo, Brother Keith, that's a nice shade on you. It doesn't mean a thing. What I'm saying, your identity should not be in your gender, your background, your color. Come on. Don't no, say, so I'm of this. I'm not a white boy. I'm not a more boy. I'm God's boy. I'm God's boy. I'm God's boy. And I always will be God's boy. That's who I am. That's what I am. It gives me my value. And knowing that secures my soul. And I don't have to pull on you to approve me. I don't have to. And I, you know, if you, uh, if you want to find out some things about this. Uh, let thousands of people see you and hear you every every week. And go on TV. <laughs> and you will find out how secure you are because people oh uh, people will say some stuff, man. <laughs> I was telling some friends of ours just the other day, I was at a meeting a while back and I was leaving the a guy caught me. He said, Brother Keith, Brother Keith! Brother Keith, you on TV? I said, yeah, sometimes and he said, My wife just loves you. She's listening to you. He said, I'm not much on you myself. <laughs> but she loves you. In other words, I kind of say, I don't know why, but she, she does. Should I leave going, well, why don't he like me? Why don't he like me? Go back and tell Philip, You know, that guy said, he, he ain't much on me. He don't like me. What did I ever do to him? I'm just preaching my heart out trying to do the best of it. That's not his problem. That's my problem. That one guy followed me out of a place one day uh, this years ago and he said, I don't believe it. I don't believe what you said. And I don't like you. I said, you don't know me. If you knew me, you'd like me. I think that made him madder than the other day. But man, if you believed every letter and every ugly email, I've had people just, I mean, do everything but call you a nice fella and say, so, you know, you are hurting the body of Christ and the stupidity and the stuff that you're saying and doing, you, you should do the body a favor and get out and stop and quit. Should I go, oh, <laughs> that's so mean, that's so mean. Why you got to be so mean? At that point, that's not their problem. That's me not knowing who I am and what I am. Now, if I've missed it, I want to see it and know it and repent and get it right. But if not, you file that in the place, you know, next to the floor and (laughs) (laughs) and you go on. And even if I did miss it, My identity wasn't in my perfect performance anyway. That's not what makes me what I am, who I am. He loved me before I ever got in the ministry. He paid that for me before I ever knew anything. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He said in Philippians 2.21, he talked about Timothy. He said he was going to take care of you like I do. He said, because all seek their own, Philippians 2.21, and not the things which are Jesus Christ. Why do people seek their own? Because they got this big gaping hole inside them that they're trying to fill. And they're looking for approval from every corner. And they desperately want to believe they're worth something, and they matter to somebody. But the truth is, no matter how many people pat you on the back or hug you or tell you that you're great and you're important, that's not enough until you get it from your creator, the one who made you, the one who gives you breath. And you get a glimpse of not just your history, but your future. And you realize what he has already done is forever. And has given me eternal value that no man can take from me. Jesus even said this. He said, don't be scared of people that can kill your body. Didn't he say that? And after that, no more. they can't do a thing. He said, don't be scared of them. Why? Well, you know, this is temporary anyway. Somebody throws a gun in your face and says, I'm going to blow you away. You go, well, I don't recommend it. (laughs) But you know, if you do, you you need to repent and get right with God. (laughs) But are you going to do it? Yeah, I'm doing it. Glory to God. I'm going to see Jesus in a few minutes here. (laughs) You don't have to be scared. Secure. No fear. Valued and precious in his eyes. No neediness. Does this sound like a group of people that would be the light of Christ in in a dark world? Does it sound like a group of people that'd be strong to minister to each other and not be pulling all the time? I need and I want. It sounds like something that when people on the outside see it, they immediately know that's what I want. I want to be like that. I need that. Hallelujah. And you say you can have it right now. Let me show you this, and pray the prayer, and lead them on in. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at
1: no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.